This episode of Christmas Countdown is brought to you by Countdown Network. From Disney to theater to Christmas, parenting, and beyond, Countdown Network is your home for the top-ranked countdown podcasts in the world. Merry Christmas, everybody. How are you doing? Welcome to the Christmas Countdown Show with Danny and Eric, episode number four. Welcome, everybody. At you. We are coming I'm, at you. Oh, my gosh. I I am feeling so much in the Christmas spirit today, Eric. Why is that, Danny? I mean, I'm always in the always, Christmas but, spirit. But why especially about. today? You know, I think, you know, I listen to Christmas music so much. You know, our last, uh, you know, two episodes were all about our top 10 personal, you know, favorite Christmas songs, which I listen to year round. But I don't necessarily sure. watch a lot of Christmas movies year round. Maybe Home Alone. If it's on TV, I'll, I'll watch it or whatever. Right. But over the last week, I have been watching so many Christmas films, getting ready for our next two episodes, that I am just taking such a trip down memory lane. My my spirit meter is is at the top of the range right now. I'm, yes. I'm just, I don't know. I, I You're going to you blow know, your I'm, spirit I'm meter excited. out before we even get to Christmas, though. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You never want to do that. That's not good. You need to be prepared for that situation. But all that to say, I am in such a jingle jangly, uh, merry mood today, and I'm I'm just I'm grateful to talk to you. This has become one of my my favorite things to do and to chat with you about Christmas. And what's been really really fun is you know all of these new people now that we're connecting with all around the world. Yes, give us show, an update, Danny, been... to where we're at with like our downloads and our countries oh that we're in. We so currently we are in over fifty countries oh my around the globe. We've been downloaded in over fifty countries, which is which is so fun, you know, to think that, that it's not just, you know, here in the States or in the UK or Canada, but we have all these countries all around the world who are getting into the Christmas spirit, are joining us on this 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 jolly journey, as it were. We actually we've been receiving messages from people on Instagram who we don't know. Who have found our show? These are through, not family you know, friends or people that no. we know. These are people who are legitimate listeners to our podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, w one of which is uh, is Adri. We want to shout out Adri, who is actually listening to us in Barcelona, Spain. Hello, and she Adri. had some really incredibly kind words to say. That when it came through, it just really warmed my 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 jingle bell heart. Uh, she said, thank you so much for this podcast. Here to Christmas isn't as big as it is in the States, but through music, movies, and podcasts such as yours, it helps to bring some of the English grandness of Christmas. And uh, wow. so, Adri, thank you for sharing thank that you, message Adri. That's with awesome. us. Isn't that incredible? Because, you know, when you start something like this, it's it's a little bit selfish in the sense that we love Christmas, and this yep. just gave us a chance to get together and talk about something we love. Totally. But then you start to realize that, oh, my gosh, there's all these other people around the world that are that just, are just like, like us. us. Yeah. And they find us. And now we get to create this this community. So if you're one of those people and, and you're not following us yet on social media, please do so. We're on Instagram, TikTok uh, and Facebook at Christmas Countdown Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Xmas Pod. You can also support us on Patreon if, if you want to get some extra bonus rewards and be a part of a private group or watch a movie with Eric and myself. Um, there's there's some fun little tiers over there that you can check out. But, you know, just know that we see your messages as as they're coming through. Obviously, Adri, we appreciate you. There was also someone named Heather who reached out to us recently, and she said, listening to y'all for the first time today and just wanted to say hi. 
And thank you for making me laugh and smile on a Monday morning. I'm a fellow Christmas lover and had so much fun hanging out with you both. And she yes. said a Christmas tree and a purple heart. Um, isn't This is just, this is so Hello, much Heather. fun, right? This is so great because as Danny said, uh, not to belabor the point, but we really did start this as two buddies who just know that we love Christmas and an excuse to talk to each other about Christmas and film it. We had zero expectations of how it would land or if people would, <laughs> would hear it or if it would just be, you know, recorded for posterity for our own enjoyment later. But the fact, <laughs> excuse me, the fact that people around the world are literally hearing, uh, what we're talking about and, and getting into the spirit and, and sort of celebrating the joy of Christmas and, and especially those I really respect our listeners who are listening now mm. pre Thanksgiving, pre Halloween. Yes. We know these are the true believers who are with us right now. We're excited as each day passes that we get closer to Christmas, that we hope that we will get more listeners as, as the, the civilians amongst us uh, start to get into the, <laughs> the muggles, the muggles, if you will um, get, get into like a I'm using air quotes right now, appropriate Christmas season. Um, but the true oh, believers are with us now. So we, we really appreciate Appreciate the love. And, and as Danny said, if you guys uh, please send us a message uh, through any of the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Patreon, uh, and, and Twitter, um, we would love to hear from you. And, and we're having such a good time doing this. So thank you guys for listening. We really are. Um, we've only had one hater so far on social media. That's so pretty I'm, good. I'm feeling either we're doing something right or we're doing something wrong. And we just need to really go like <laughs> to the wall with our Christmas love. So, somebody, I posted a reel the other day because I was at Lowe's. I went there to get some fall decor. Yes. And I walked in and there was like one little small clearance rack to the left of the door with pumpkins and, you know, autumn related stuff. And then right behind that, just basically casting this massive shadow across the entire <laughs> store of Lowe's with all of the Christmas stuff. And I so loved it. I, I loved it so much. And so I created a reel and I put it up and somebody was like, not until December numb nuts or something like that. And I wrong. never, They're um, wrong. but it's okay. They're, I think this is, that's a hill that we're both willing to die on that. Oh, hundred percent. Never too early for Christmas. I will be never there too with early. my lights around my neck. And my staple gun in my hand, ready to look. Hundred uh, percent. You know, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, just call me Clark W. Griswold. <laughs> um, but but so if you missed the last two episodes, we did uh, count down our top ten personal favorite Christmas songs. We did yes. ten through six, and then five through one, which was an awesome journey to be able to go on that with you, Eric. You educated me about so many songs. I I really don't listen to very much during the holiday season, so I want to. I want to thank I'm you. For I've that. been listening to that Jamie Colm uh, album that you recommended for me, The Piano Man of Christmas. And Isn't it's it so spectacular. good? It's so, and it they're coming out with a like remastered version uh, in oh a gosh. couple of weeks. So, so they will be getting more of my money. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I did want to shout out uh, another follower on social media, another person we don't know who's from Ohio. Uh, their name is The Holland Holiday. And Love this that. individual apparently is enjoying our show so much that she created sort of like an NCAA final four bracket. Oh yes. I saw this thing of our top 10 songs going head to head against each other. <laughs> so go, go on Instagram and, and look up at the underscore Holland H O L L O N underscore holiday. And you can, you can participate in voting and, and I, I'm assuming this will come down to a top, song between the two of us that, that will win the the bracket i mean 
this is so fun that, that you all who are listening feel so excited not only to listen to the show, but you want to be a part of the community and you're extending this Christmas cheer. So Holland Holiday, thank you for that. Uh, and if you're going to go vote, obviously vote for my songs. I would say you should probably vote for my songs personally. Oh, you would. And I think yeah, that we perhaps should put some sort of little wager on this. I think, Ooh. you know, whoever's song wins, although we're, we're going to have to, maybe we'll leave it up to uh, our listener who created the thing. They can tell us how many votes uh, came in. Or we could make our own on Instagram. Can't you do like a poll where people vote and stuff like that? I can do that. Danny yep. could set that up. So we'll, we will figure out the logistics of this. But I think... Whoever is the winner, whoever's song mm. is selected as the winner, I think that person should. Uh, I don't know. Is it get you get an extra gift? Uh, you have to give them Ooh. an extra gift. Is there some sort of uh, 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 running down the street uh, in some sort of okay. holiday regalia? I, I'm not sure. What, okay. what do we think here? Maybe the listeners, <laughs> if you can give us a good idea of what the the triumphant winner should receive from the loser. Um, and help us figure out who, uh, how we should resolve this uh, uh, death match uh, battle royale for the greatest Christmas song ever between Danny wouldn't, and I. Wouldn't it be funny if it was Frank Sinatra, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas? That would be funny because that would be like your... a tie. That would be very win, Christmassy. You know? That would be a very Christmas ending for this, <laughs> this whole wouldn't bit. Wouldn't it? I love it. I think we should get into, Let's get into our, our episode, list. right? Yes. This is going to be top 10 Christmas movies, personal favorites. I am am so thrilled to get started with this one today. I've been watching so many Christmas films over the last couple of weeks, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, it's uh, there are movies that originally were not on my list that I have added to the list because I went back and watched them and just was reminded of how much I enjoyed a specific film or a specific moment or even a movie. There's one movie on my list that I had not watched before which you're probably going to wow. laugh at me when I tell you this, or you're going to want to punch me, one of the two, maybe both. I don't know. Laugh and punch me. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited to to get into this list. How, how are you feeling about your top 10, Eric? You know, I'm, I'm, I feel good. I'm, I'm a little worried. I feel like there was really? a lot of films that I didn't put on this list that it hurt my heart to not add them. Um, some for, you know, they all have their reason that they didn't make the list, but uh, I, I feel good about where I'm at, but there were definitely a few that broke my heart that I couldn't, uh, couldn't add, which I'll tell you at the Did end you make of the a, a consolation bracket or like a uh, honorable mention list. I probably, I basically could, I, I have, I couldn't make an entire second list with the ones that I left off, but we'll, we'll, I'll, wow. I'll tell that when we get to the end. So you can see what, what we, uh, what we left off, but why don't we jump right Sir, in do here? You wanna... Do we need the drummer boy? I think he he's back again. Okay, drummer week. boy, he's, he's come got on some in. Rest. He's back in. He got some <laughs> After water. Last episode where I made him play the drums for about a solid minute and a half while As I was we've... trying to figure out who the first uh, original fifth member of NSYNC was. It was it was Jason Galasso for anyone who missed last week's episode. But you know, I'm glad that the drummer boy is back too. And it, you know, it's really good that our. Um, you know, insurance plan that we've provided him as an employee of ours covers carpal tunnel and and stress mm -hmm. and, and emotional anxiety and stuff like that because he was he was spent after last week. You you had him drum roll for quite a bit there, Danny. I'm horrible. Quite a bit. It's like three <laughs> episodes in, it's like I'm in forty countries and now all of a sudden I'm cracking the whip and I'm like, hey, you keep playing that drum. <laughs> keep playing that drum, kid. We got you. I love it. All right. We yeah. You got a 401k contribution from us. Come on. 
All, all right, let's jump into my number 10 uh, list here. So we're going to start this off. Again, this is top 10 movies, personal favorites. Number 10 for me. I'm going to go with an old classic. Okay. This movie is called Holiday Inn. Mm. It is an old um, MGM musical uh, starring Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire, and I have to look at her name, Marjorie Reynolds plays wow. Linda Mason. I'm Linda Mason. If you know the movie, you'll know what I'm quoting. Uh, Holiday Inn is actually, a lot of people think that the first appearance of the song White Christmas was mm. in White Christmas, you would think. It you was would. actually first appeared in this movie, Holiday Inn. Really? Bing Crosby sang the song uh, in this film. Uh, it became very popular, obviously, became a, a worldwide hit, and then they end up making uh, the movie White Christmas uh, that used it as well. Um, the movie basically is about uh, Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire play a showbiz duo uh, that um, they do. They work in New York City on Broadway and they do a sort of vaudevillian act where Bing Crosby is the singer. Fred Astaire is the dancer. Um, they have a, a female actress with them that they sort of work with. And uh, their life is good. They're flying high on the hog. And Bing Crosby decides that he wants to slow things down a little bit. He just wants mm. to enjoy his life. So he moves out to the country. He buys a little Holiday Inn. Um, and and uh, basically he says, hey, guys, I'm done with show business. I'm moving out to the country, and this is what I'm going to do. Uh, he gets out there, soon realizes that he's a little bit over his head, doesn't really really know what he's doing as a farmer or a, 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 <laughs> an innkeeper, um, and decides what he's going to do is he's going to – only be open on the holidays. So he's basically going to keep the inn closed other than all the major holidays. And so he uh, decides, you know, they'll be open for President's Day and for, you know, Lincoln's birthday and for Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve and Christmas and, and Halloween and Thanksgiving and all those things. And um, it event eventually the inn becomes very successful. He finds a new sort of leading lady. She gets her opportunity to go back to New York to be a star. It's a lot of hijinks, but it's a very sentimental, uh, adorable movie. Um, it's one of my personal favorites. So I'm going to go Holiday Inn, MGM musical, Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire. And uh, if you've not seen it, you should definitely, definitely check it out. Let's listen to just a little clip uh, from Holiday Inn so you can get a little taste of what the vibe of this film's all about. Down the street, my oh my, ain't she sweet? Why, here comes my hot toddy over my dead body. I'll capture her heart singing. Just wait until she gets a load of my dancing. Just wait till I start singing. I'll take her strolling down the road with my band. All right, so so Eric, I want to ask you, Holiday Inn, I think it's a great choice. Yes. It's not on my list, spoiler alert. Um, but I remember when the Broadway musical was on Broadway a few years back. I think it was back in 2017. Yeah. And I think their their choreographer was nominated for Best Choreography. They did like this cool jump rope routine, I remember. Yeah, I remember seeing what, that. What do you... It seemed very electric to me, and it seemed like a fantastic production. What do you love so much about the movie? Like, what's your what's your favorite part about it? Well, I love I love the the sort of vintagey feel. I love any of those old MGM musicals. That's sort of where I first fell in love with show business in general. 
Um, hmm. And so I love, you know, this is vintage Fred Astaire and vintage Bing Crosby. So I love, you know, from a Christmas point of view, I love that they sing White Christmas. The movie kind of finishes at Christmas time with the snow falling and it's just beautiful. Um, but there's a lot of great songs throughout it. There's a great song. If you're a fan of tap dance, uh, check out Fred. If you Google or YouTube, Fred Astaire, 4th of July dance. He does a firecracker dance where essentially in the movie, he is told that their main act is not going to show up. So he's got to fill time. And mm. he's like, what am I going to do? And it's for the 4th of July show. And he's like, uh, just give me some firecrackers. And he goes out there and like improvises <laughs> a, a whole dance. But there's lots of like you know, M80s going off and firecrackers and they're using the tap dancing with it. So I just, I love the, the show busyness of it. You know, yeah. I love that there's the singing, there's the dancing. It feels sentimental. It feels nostalgic. So yeah, that's, that's probably why I love it so much. Any, any movie that has a tap dance number in it, any musical that has a tap dance number in it, sign me up. Absolutely. Uh, it's just when those lights come up, and, you know, they, they, you kind of get a little tease of it when you hear some of the cast members walking around in the scene. You hear a little clack, clack, and you're like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> They're getting set. Those aren't their normal stage shoes. That's right. Something's about to happen here, and it's going to be tap-tastic. Um, tap-tastic. Anyway. Put up another one. Ding. That's a good one. I like that. That was pretty good, right? You would, you would think good. that I was like a big musical theater performer, but no, just a fan. <laughs> just a big, big But you fan. love it. You love it. I do. What's I love your it number so 10, you know, Danny? Well, one thing I wanted to bring up about Holiday Inn that I thought oh, was yeah. interesting, because when you say Holiday Inn, the movie, I th and you talk about an inn, a hotel, immediately sure. I think a lot of people think about Holiday Inn hotels that I'm sure many of us have, have stayed at here and abroad. Sure. And I was, so I started doing some Googling, and, and what's interesting is that the the movie, it looks like it predates, because the movie was in 1942, and yeah, Holiday Inn uh, was founded in 1952. So it almost Ooh. makes you wonder, you know, I'd have I to do wonder. a little bit more digging here is did the movie name inspire the corporate name that we know now? <laughs> That's today? a very good question. That is a I don't very, know. very good question. We will get back to you on that. We'll find we'll get to the bottom of that mystery and we'll let you let you folks know. Or if you work for the Holiday Incorporation, you happen to just let us know. our show. Let us know and we'll share it with the people. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, I think that's a great selection. I love that you started it out with a classic. And Thank I you. will be doing the same, actually. Great. Uh, this is this is not the longest film that was ever made. Some people out there in the world, maybe Eric, might argue that it should be on a different list, maybe like a like a TV special sort of list, as as Eric see where you're going to with talk this. to yeah. me about sometimes. Um, <laughs> this movie, it's one of those films that, yes, it was a made for TV special sort of situation, but you know, for me. It was one of those films every year, whenever it would come on television, it was sort of like a signal for me that Christmas was coming. There were sort of like these three or four films, you know, the Frosty, the Snowmans, the Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, and then this film, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, was one of yes. those films that for me as a kid, I just, that meant that Christmas was coming. And I just thought it was so brilliant you know, the, the, the sort of claymation aspect of that film, you know, as old as it is and what they were able to, to execute. Obviously for me now, uh, as the father of a child with a disability, with a difference, I think, you know, a story that existed many, many, you know, obviously there's some storytelling mechanisms and language in that film that I, I'm not a huge fan of. Sure. Um, but the idea that the main character was, uh, was, was a character with a difference, with a visible difference that, 
is celebrated. And, you know, I think so often in storytelling, a lot of times a kid with a disability or a difference is the friend and, and they're not necessarily like the hero of the story. And the fact right. that, that, you know, Santa's sleigh doesn't fly without Rudolph, I think is, it's a fantastic story. And I think it celebrates our, our differences. And I, that's something, you know, Eric, that I preach all the time is that, you know, our differences are our superpowers. And I think Rudolph is one of those movies that, that definitely exemplifies it. I think it's a great story. I love when he goes to the Island of Misfit Toys Um it's I I quote lines from that movie all the time. Like if I see a squirt gun, I'll say nobody wants a gun that squirts jelly. Um, <laughs> like I I just do that. What are the island like, of misfit toys? Right. It's just you you remember that. Like it's just those moments. Great performances. Sort of, yes. It's great performances. I think you know filmmaking at that time, like them sort of like being on the forefront of these new ways of of capturing film and telling stories i think was absolutely brilliant and Burl Ives it's pretty, is so good as as the he's snowman so narrator. fantastic oh, so good yeah and and think about it like this way is that rudolph you know historically it was santa and these these eight reindeer right but this story this film introduced the ninth reindeer into culture and that's the way that it's been he got his own song um it's not easy to do that when you talk about tradition and the fact that you can change eight tiny reindeer to now nine and that's just what most kids assume is that santa can't fly without rudolph at this the lead with that red nose yeah. shining bright i think it's i think it's beautiful it makes me think of christmas um and and i and and i got to share it with my daughter last year and, and just seeing her light up pun intended um, when, when, she, when she watched that film, it's, it's just fun to sort of share those traditions now. So number 10 for me is uh, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, or as Dean Martin would sing it, Rudy, the red-beaked reindeer. My name's Rudolph. Hi. Hi. Hey, uh, Clarice, hey, uh, after practice, would you, would you... Rudolph, you get back here. It's your turn, you know. Gee, I gotta go back. Would you walk home with me? Uh-huh. Rudolph. I think you're cute. I'm cute. I'm cute. Magnificent. I'm cute. I'm cute. She said I'm cute. Not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> okay. You know what? Here's what I'm going to say, Danny. I okay. I love Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I think one. it's a great television special. Oh, my gosh. Right <laughs> as I take a sip of my drink, you drop that. Here's I what I even, think. I was going to spit my Kirkland <laughs> sparkling water all over my stupid, expensive microphone. And This is what I think. <laughs> I think that it in. is a great, great TV special, and it's one of my favorites. might be even at the top of my list of TV specials. Is oh it a gosh. Christmas film? I'm going to say no. That's what? my opinion. Listen, I've had this this discussion with my family. We do top ten lists a lot of times in the car of like, all right, what's your top ten movies? Whatever. And a lot of times my family will, will do Christmas movies and someone yep. will say something like Charlie Brown or Mickey's Christmas Carol or Rudolph or Frosty. And I'm like, those are great television specials. Oh, my god! Not films. You not and your films, rules. In my opinion. But everybody can have their own opinion. This is America 2021. So <laughs> I appreciate you can do that. Whatever you but want. here's the thing. Now, let me let me let me ask you this question. So yes. when they have the Academy Awards, is yep. every film that wins an Academy Award a full length feature film? 
Yes. Is it really? Unless it There's is no... listed as a short. But it's not a short TV special. It's a short film, right? Yeah, still yes. Film. Wait, okay. films or movies? Right. You, you, you may have caught me in a, a, a small loophole here. And you, yes. may, you may have yes. turned my mind. All right. All I'm right. interested. I'll think what do our that. listeners think? What do our listeners think? Yes. Of that? What do, do you, you guys think? Yeah. Do you Is consider it okay Rudolph, to include Frosty? Rudolph? Yeah. Yeah. Are, they, are these okay to include? For me, I've not included them in my list, only in the hopes of us later doing a podcast about greatest TV specials where I would include such hits as Rudolph, oh my Frosty, gosh. This guy. Santa Claus is coming to town. Mickey Christmas oh Carol, gosh. Muppet Christmas Carol. I mean, all these things are great, but in I'm my start opinion, calling you Scrooge, not films, not films, <laughs> not Eric films. Scrooge Peterson over here. That's right. My God, Eric B sides Scrooge Peterson, with who um, hangs out with the Marleys on the weekend. That's that's right. I do have to say uh, to our listeners out there, um, if you have not checked out Danny's amazing book, The Capables. Please go to Amazon right now. Check it out. Another great story that was inspired by his daughter uh, about kids that have um, differences being their superpowers. It is spectacular. Check out The Capables, available in all bookstore forms that you can find. It's a great, great bookstore. I've been been rejected by a few, but that's okay. Um, Screw those guys. Yeah, you can go to Amazon. You can go to our website, pick it up. Uh, It's a great Christmas gift, actually. Not a stocking stuffer because it's not a small... It's not a small a book. Big. It's a hardcover book, but uh, it's it's a great gift to give. And uh, anyone, if you happen to order through our website and you mention this show, I'll be happy to to sign a copy for you. So check. Anyway, that out. that's my check number. That that's my out. number ten. Yeah, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Good. Moving on I to Eric it. at number nine. All right, number nine. I'm gonna go. This is a film. I I'm curious to know if you've seen this movie because it is. Uh, it's not. I think a lot of people have seen it, but it's not like a huge hit movie that a lot of people know. This is movie starred. Um, it is a little sad. There's some sadness <laughs> oh. in it. You know me. I love sad Christmas. You that's too, that's my new hashtag. Sad Christmas. <laughs> um, I. This movie starred Sam Elliott, Cloris Leachman, and hmm. uh, I'm gonna look at, at her name because I want to say it right. Rebecca Harold Tickle was the child okay. star of this movie. This movie is called Prancer. Prancer. Oh, Have I you ever seen that Prancer? One. I don't think I've seen 80s. it, but I remember the the poster is like the the reindeer and then the little girl, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah. Basically, the premise of the film is uh, there is a little girl whose mother has passed away. She's living with her uh, brother, played by Johnny Galecki uh, from Big Bang oh, wow. and, and Roseanne fame. What a career! Uh, as that a very young, happen. yeah, for real. As uh, I think it's even before all those uh, projects that he did, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, pre Roseanne and everything. Uh, she's basically a little girl who's living uh, in, uh, I'm not sure where, my guess it would be probably like a Colorado, a Utah type place. Um, snowy. And somewhere, yeah, somewhere like that. And um, her mother has recently passed away. Her father is trying to run their farm and save their farm and also raise these two kids. And he's Sam Elliott, so you know that he's just gruff and trying to keep <laughs> this farm alive. You know, of course, he's Sam Elliott, you know, yeah. classic Sam Elliott. So Sam Elliott is, you know, being Sam Elliott and and the main girl it, it, who would be great on our podcast mm. because she loves Christmas. She's obsessed with Christmas. She's she's just trying to like, you know, that we should reach out. She's just trying to like hold her family together and keep the Christmas spirit alive inside of all this sadness that they're going through. Right. And so one magical night she sees out on the road 
a real live reindeer, like a real one, big, huge reindeer. And she's like, oh, my God, because she just saw earlier that day uh, in their sort of town, you know, Main Street, they have the plastic reindeer that are sort of like hanging over the Main Street with the Santa's sleigh. One of them, Prancer, had fallen down and had sort of shattered in the street. And they were like, oh, we got to replace that. And that very night she finds a real live reindeer. And so she's convinced that it is the real Prancer. It is the Prancer of real Santa legend. So she brings him back to the barn. She starts feeding this reindeer. And, of course, once Sam Elliott finds out about it, he's like, what are you doing with that reindeer in my barn? We're just trying to keep the farm alive. I don't have feed for a reindeer. You know, and he's all mad at her. And she's like, but, Daddy, it's Christmas, please. And so it, it's a, it, it sounds like a really sad movie, but it actually is uplifting at the end. Uh, it's a great movie about, you know, it, I think one of the reasons I love it is it is so 80s-tastic. I mean, mm. just with what everybody's wearing, the way that people are acting, it just is so straight out of the 80s that it makes me feel like a little kid again. So this is a, a little clip from Prancer starring Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott and uh, Cloris Leachman and Rebecca Harrell Tickle. I bet Santa doesn't think you'll get back in time. I better let him know. about me? Do you love me? So there you go. It, wow. It's it's a cute one. If you've not checked out Prancer, definitely go check it out. It's a good one. I'm glad you, you brought up the movies you've brought up so far because, you know, as I was working on my list for our top 10, you know, I knew, I knew right away what my top three or four were going to be because they are just sure. their go-tos for me. But as I was, yeah. you know, sort of working my way five through 10, I realized that I, there are Christmas movies that I go to, but I was I, I started to wonder, am I just putting these movies on the list because they're the first ones that, that come to mind, right? Sure. Or are there others that it maybe if I went back and watched them again, or if I watched some for the first time that, I, that I've never seen for whatever reason, they may crack my top 10 list. And now you sharing Holiday Inn and Prancer makes me think, oh man, I got to go watch these two films. And I did try to watch Holiday Inn, but it wasn't on Netflix or... Free yeah, it's Amazon, a little harder so. harder to find. Harder but I'm going to find. find it. I'm committed. Even if I have to rent it and pay $3.99 on Amazon, yes. I will do it now. You'll love I will it. do the same with Prancer. Did you say her I last say... name is, is Tingle or Tickle? What was her? Tickle. T-I-C-K-E-L-L. Wow. I will say about Holiday Inn, there is a uh, one of the songs that is terribly racially insensitive um, that was, at the time, was not seen as a big deal. Nowadays, we know that it's a terribly offensive uh, deal, so... There is one of the songs that you'll know it as soon as you get to it. You may want to just fast forward with your kids. But on the whole, Holiday Inn is a great film, but there is uh, one of those songs that is no good anymore. No good. I, I appreciate that that disclaimer. It's much like, you know, Rudolph. A little there's, heads up. There's moments sure. in there where I think it's Prancer or Blitzen or whoever is, uh, you know, the their coach at school sort of sort of said, says some things about Rudolph that are just like horrible that a, that a person in a position of power or that or that Rudolph's dad would want to cover up his nose with with coal or yeah. dirt to try to cover up, you know, his difference. I, you know, obviously sure. that's not something that I subscribe to. I say 
you know, embrace who you are. Like I said, your differences are your superpowers. So, you know, I think that's the beauty is that we can have some of these conversations now and, and we can talk about those things and we can have those conversations with our kids. And I think that's our job as parents, right? And totally. And, and, and we also have the opportunity to learn things that we thought were wholesome or whatever. Now we're like, hmm, yeah, that, that shouldn't Maybe be used in so movies yeah. or in the world <laughs> yeah. ever again. Um, totally, totally. So, so my, What's my number, number nine? nine, lucky number nine, as I like to say, because my lucky <laughs> number is, is nine. Oh, okay. Uh, I was is, say. Yeah, you're like, why does he always say lucky number nine? Is there something I don't know? Um, <laughs> he must be a big Beatles fan. Uh, <laughs> now it's just always my number in baseball. But uh, this, this movie is, is a more recent film. There was a stretch of time where I went through, I was just a huge fan of, of romantic comedies. I don't know why. Maybe it was like my early to mid twenties when, you know, I felt like an old soul and I just wanted to find a wife and settle sure. down. And, you know, why couldn't someone just love me for me and <laughs> all this sort of stuff. And I, and I would go I to love like in the movies. Yeah, exactly. I want someone yes. to love me like Matthew McConaughey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not happening. Uh, anyway, but Kate Hudson, if you're listening, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> wife, I love you. So, so there was a time, I'm sure you remember this, and I'm sure many of our listeners remember that Blockbuster Video, you used to be able to go and get, you know, like four for $20. You could get used DVDs. And I yeah. would always, you know, get a couple action films like A Patriot or A Braveheart, but then I'd always, you know, sprinkle in a two weeks notice or uh, How to yes. Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Just uh, watched it last week. Because I believe in, in having, a, you know, yin and yang to your, your film collection, as it were. Yeah. And I remember when this film came out, I actually saw it in the theaters uh, when people did that. And I, I saw it in Hollywood at the uh, at Arclight, um, which was, you know, it's a huge movie theater complex that has a Cinerama Dome attached to it. And mm -hmm. I went with a group of friends. It was Christmas time. We went and saw this film together. And I just absolutely fell in love with this this film. It's called Love Actually. Um, and my mother yes. and I have had many arguments about this film over the years because it is one of her least favorite movies of all time. It is a polarizing movie, which is it shocking. Is. I love it. it I, I'll tell you this. It is on my countdown later as well. Ooh. Uh, why do you have why do you fight with your mom about what is what does she dislike about the movie? She really dislikes the situation where, you know, the wife is, is being cheated on by her husband. Anything that has to do with like cheating and lying and betrayal, my yeah. my mom is is very anti, which which I am anti as well. But it's not the cheating only story. Well, yes. Yeah, I am anti yes. all those things too, everyone who's listening. <laughs> but it's that that is a part of life and I think that's what's interesting about the film is that you get to see love as it exists in all these different forms, whether it's the prime minister and someone that works, you know, on his staff or, you know, your everyday people or losing love, you know, as the example of, the, yeah. of you know, the of um, Liam Neeson's character uh, is Liam Neeson, right? Yeah. Liam Neeson's yep. character who yep. loses his wife. And that's very, and that's early on. It's like right at the top of the film. You're like, what am I getting myself yeah, into? Yeah, right at the beginning. Oh my yeah. gosh. And then he has to navigate as a, as a single dad, this situation with his kid who's in <sighs> school and, He's lost his mom, but he also has this crush on this girl. It's there's so much. And I, I love I love the opening monologue that that Hugh Grant has in that film. And and I think it was one of the first films to really sort of I, I might be wrong and I'd love for any movie buffs to correct me on this. But in, in my memory of films that came out not too long after 9-11, I feel like it was one of the first films to reference 9-11 somehow in the film and you know hugh grant yeah. talks about 
the phone calls that people were getting as, as the planes were going yeah. down were, were calls about love. Um, yeah. And I love when he does that. You'll find that love actually is all around. All like around I just, this. and you see all these people at Heathrow, you know, running into each other's arms oh, and yeah. I, I, it's just beautiful. And I think it's, it's about love and all the different forms. It's about the flaws of loves. It, it's about unexpected love. Um, sure. It's about magnificent love and simple love. And it all takes place around the holidays. And I think it's funny. I think it's, I think it's, uh, fun and, and I'm a huge fan. And, and obviously you can't go wrong with, um, uh, I'm totally blanking on the actor's name right now, but, um, Bill uh, Nighy. Bill Nighy. Oh my gosh. Uh, when he says <laughs> ugliest man you've ever seen in your good. life, when he's talking about <laughs> me and my agent, ugliest man you've ever seen in your life. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. It's just, he's so funny. It's, it's a brilliant film. Uh, and, and it's number nine. Let, let's take a little listen. Maybe we'll take a little listen to, to Bill uh, Nighy and, and him singing his lovely tune from Love Actually. Yes. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. I feel it in my toes. Love is all around me. And so the thing. I'm afraid you did it again, Bill. It's just I know the old version so well, you know. Well, we all do. That's why we're making the new version. Right, okay, let's go. I feel it in my fingers. In my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Love is all around. Head and hole. Start again. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Christmas is all around me. And so the feeling grows. It's written in the wind. Oh my gosh, that is so good! Right? I love when the guys like I like how you uh, fit that extra little syllable <laughs> in the third line there. <laughs> if you really love Christmas, I feel it in my toes. Oh, yeah, Christmas and then he's like, all around us. <laughs> yeah, he goes. So if you really love Christmas. Come on and let yeah. it snow. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so, there's good. so many great scenes in it. I mean, you got the stuff with uh, Rowan Atkinson, you know, Mr. Bean, and he's wrapping the present, and Alan Rickman yes. is, like, you know, freaking out. You know, it's so good. All the stuff with Colin Firth is so good. It just – there's so there's so much great stuff in it. Um, I will oh, say, the, to the, call um, back the, – the, 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 the second team in the film – the the oh, guy yeah, and the, the girl second, that yes. that guy who, that that actor he's uh he's on Sherlock Holmes he's, on he's been a in a ton of, ton of stuff yeah, he's on Sherlock totally blanking on his the, name right now the Hobbit movie um yeah he's uh I can't think of his name either but he's he's great he's yeah. so good 
Um, the guy, the British kid that goes to America, and all the Americans <laughs> are just like beautiful women and <laughs> love his accent and stuff. He's That's like, he's so like, where good. are you going? He's like, Wisconsin, <laughs> Wisconsin. It's so of great. all the places so to good. go to meet, you know, women. Let's go to Wisconsin in the middle of beautiful winter, where American women wearing yeah. massive parkas, uh, <laughs> and nobody wants to talk to each other. Oh, yeah, man. it's such I, a great I will film. Say, I, you know, one of the things that is interesting because I I do know a lot of people that are that get upset by that um, uh, the scene with Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman and, and yeah. their whole sort of storyline. What I think is so great about that, just as from a storytelling point of view, is Alan Rickman is not physically cheating on his wife. Right? Mm. It doesn't seem as if he's slept with this woman or kissed her even. Right? But he is emotionally cheating oh, on yeah. his wife. And and that's almost I mean, both are terrible, but like almost more heartbreaking, which is why it's so sad for her yeah. when she, you know, you know, we referenced this before when she gets that Joni Mitchell CD expecting the 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 locket. And it's just like it's so heartbreaking. And, and Emma Thompson is so amazingly great in it. It's yeah. I, I, I applaud your your choice here. I, I love love. Actually, it is one of my favorites as well. And it will appear uh, later in my countdown. Real quick, I want to mention that it is Martin Freeman. Martin, Martin Freeman, Freeman is, yes. is the actor who is one of the, uh, what do they call them? Stand-in, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And he's doing all the blocking and the lighting and, and the, the lovemaking scene <laughs> in, uh, in that <laughs> one right. film. It, it's just so brilliant. That's right. uh, and I, that's what I love about that film. It's you know, like I, you, have, you have young love, you have I old saw, love, you have okay. flawed love. It's beautiful. Sorry, go on. That's right. You know, I actually saw Love Actually on a plane once. And I think, if I remember correctly, they literally completely cut that entire Martin Freeman storyline out of the film. Oh, wow. Because there is a little bit of nudity in his scenes and because all those stories are kind of, I mean, some of them over, you know, uh, cross and everything. But I think his part of it, like the only crossover is the kid that goes to America, his Hmm. like best friend is the first AD in the Martin Freeman scenes. So that's oh, like right. how they connect yes. to that. But, but though like Martin Freeman doesn't, and the woman that he's acting with, like they don't touch any other stories. So when I saw it on the film, they just totally cut that entire storyline out of it because there was nudity and they couldn't show that on a plane. So well, that that's makes another sense. brilliant thing about the film is just the way that all of the stories also intersect each other. Yes. Is really, I really think, cool. Though, didn't that, didn't that movie kind of start they made after love actually came out then they made like new year's eve and valentine's day which yes. were those sort of like big huge casts i never saw either of those two but i remember those being like big casts like love actually with a bunch of little stories that sort of tied together around a holiday season because in hollywood no ideas are actually original nothing's so original everybody yeah, just exactly. copies what what other people have done that have been successful which i think right, we're going to discover go to, on our oh, list here today i think we will all right number 8 for me i'm going uh this is another one that uh can be polarizing there are some people who do not like this film and feel it is creepy uh and mm. i will say that it is you have to get past the creepy animation. If I say creepy <laughs> okay. animation, a lot of people will know where I'm heading. I'm going Polar Express. Polar I love Express, that film. Great film. Yes. Uh, it is early in the days of computer generated animation, and they took a swing. 
the the you know the animation that we know and love today of Pixar and Disney fame uh, was not the technology was not there yet, and they were also animating humans, which mm. traditionally it is hard to animate humans with in a natural way. I think that a lot of people learned from Polar Express probably like if you're going to have human characters in an animated film, make them look cartoony human as opposed right. to try to make them actually human because that's what throws a lot of people off is this sort of odd Tom Hanks that is looks like Tom <laughs> Hanks but is not, you know. Right. But the 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 idea of the film is so great and I loved that book as a child. Yeah. And the way that they were able to take the beautiful Caldecott winning illustrations from the, the original book and really have the same aesthetic, like visual aesthetic from mm. the book and made a whole film like that was so cool to me. Agreed. I love the story. I love the idea of hearing a bell until you don't believe anymore is just like mm. so touching to me. And my family, we 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 quote this movie quite a bit, even when it's not Christmas time, about whenever somebody is having the first of anything, even if we're like, we just came home from Taco Bell and, and I'll hand out the first taco <laughs> of, out of the bag, I'll say, the first taco of lunchtime. And then I'll, oh, I'll hand it out, which we, we quote that, that movie almost once a week in this house. So Polar Express is uh, my number eight movie. Let's listen to a little clip from Polar Express starring Tom Hanks. No. What would you like for Christmas? Me. You. Yes, indeed. Hmm. Yes, indeed. It, it actually it was it was number ten on my list until I did a little little recon over the last couple of days and went back and watched a film I hadn't watched in a long time and then watched one I'd never seen before and then Polar Express came in at number eleven for me so it didn't Ooh, it quite got bumped you didn't crack the top ten but I just I think you know I love the fact that like Tom Hanks's character is just sort of reoccurring in all these yeah. different people throughout I mean you can't go wrong with Tom Hanks. In a yeah. film, especially a family-friendly film, and the fact that he's the conductor and he's Santa Claus and he's sort of the hobo the dad on the train, the hobo. yeah, he's he's like he's the dad, yeah, he's the dad, like he's just yeah. he's so brilliant, and and that hot chocolate scene, hot hot my, hot, hot chocolate. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh! Oh, I, when I saw that in theaters, I was like dancing in my seat. I was absolutely <laughs> obsessed with it. It just you know feels I got good. to see I got to see uh, when we were living in New York a few years back. At the Central Park Zoo, they had one of those 4D theaters where they would, okay. um, you know, it was a small theater at the zoo with like 25 seats in it. And they would show like basically like a 25 minute version of Polar Express, a few highlights from it. But yeah. it would make it so that like the seats would shake or once they oh, played wow. the hot chocolate scene, they like blew hot chocolate smell into the room. So it smelled like hot chocolate and bubbles would come out and stuff. It was oh, really fun. Gosh. So if they're still doing that in New York and you live on the East Coast, uh, you should definitely check that out. 
Well, hopefully, I know you're here in Southern California like me, Eric. I don't know if they're bringing it back this year, but a couple of years ago, they actually had up in uh, Fillmore, there's an, there's the old trains that run, you know, through our area and they had the Polar Express train where you could go ride it. And they like did the hot and they had, like musical theater performers inside of there and they were singing the song as the train was riding and That's the conductor awesome. was there and, you know, people came in costume, like, you know, dressed up in their pajamas and all that sort of stuff. Like they were oh, riding we off to the North Pole. We so they have that. that. We are doing that for sure, and I will be looking it up the moment we get done recording. Actually, I might, <laughs> I I might do it, it in a second just because I, I, I can't wait to, to find out so we can book it and take our kids. But I'm so glad you included that, that film because it's, it's, it's a fantastic one. It's a good one. Um, and the yeah, music so, is so good. Oh, It's so, so good. good. It's fantastic. Um, so number eight on my list. Yes. This is a film that you're probably going to – the listeners, Eric, everyone's going to hate me. When I tell you that I just watched this film for the first time three days ago. Wow. And, and it got to number eight on your list. Wow. And it, it got to number eight on my list. And I know for a lot of people out there, it's going to be their number one movie. Um, not to give too much away, but for a lot of people, I know it's a number one movie. It's one, you know, there's just those films for some reason you you just don't watch. Like sometimes you talk to someone and they go, yeah, I've never seen The Godfather or I've never sure, seen yeah. Shawshank Redemption or whatever, whatever the yeah. film is. You go, what? Have you never seen that film? How can you not see that film? That's this film for me. Now, granted, I had seen a stage production of it out here at a local community theater years ago, but that's that's nowhere near seeing the original motion picture in black and white. And that film is It's a Wonderful Life. Now, what I find... Can you believe that I just watched it for the first time three days ago? Wow! Isn't that wild? I'm, I know. That is wild to the me. The Christmas alarm needs to go off. Like Santa Claus yes. has to come down and like, I don't know, dose me with a jingle bell or something. But <laughs> I, what I think is interesting about the film It's a Wonderful Life is that, first of all, it's not a short film. Uh, but no, second very of all, it's very interesting that Christmas isn't really a part of the story at all until an hour and a half into the film an hour and 45 minutes into the film. Yeah. It's all about, you know, this, this guy, George Bailey. And I think the reason that the film connected with me so much was I realized as I was watching it, how much George Bailey reminds me of my, my dad, my, my stepdad, Michael, Um, you know, George Bailey is one of the most selfless people that, you know, you'll ever meet in your life. He always puts the needs of others, before his own has big dreams gets amazing offers to you know invest in this company very early with it with his buddy sam or um what, what are some of the other things that you know potter offers him a, a huge chunk of money to to join his bank sure. and he's always he's always yeah. saying no because his interest is in his family and his interest yep. is is in being there for people who who need him most and that and that is that is my dad that is that is my dad michael um he is the most selfless person that I've ever met in my life and throughout all of our childhood was always putting us before him. You know, he worked at CNBC and CNBC was based in New Jersey and every year they would, you know, want to offer him a promotion to move back to New Jersey to work at the corporate office, but he would always turn it down because he wanted his kids to be able to finish school. And it was always like, okay, when Danny finishes high school, okay, when Andrew finishes high school, when Aaron finishes high school, and then you know, the year my sister was going to graduate from high school after, you know, I think 20 years at NBC, they laid him off. And that was wow. when he was finally going to go back to, to New Jersey. And I think just 
that notion of the person who always puts others in front of them. I think it's such um we need that, you know, we, we need that in this world. And I think if there were more people like that in this world, then there wouldn't be so much heartache um, for some yeah. people because we'd be so aware of, of, of other people's feelings. And in the end, when, True when empathy. that whole, yeah. And when, when the whole community, you know, finds out about George Bailey, you know, what's so interesting about George Bailey, and this is where I sort of connected to, to him as an, as a character is that, you know, he's always there to help others. He will give them the, the last dollar that, that he has. And but he won't ask people for help. And I I sort of identify with George Bailey in that respect. And and at the end of the film, when everyone shows up and they're just dumping money on the table because they found out that this close friend of theirs is in need. It reminded me of the journey that we went on with, with the capables. And I hate asking people for stuff. I hate asking for favors. I hate asking for help. But when we launched that book series, we did a Kickstarter campaign and hundreds of people, some of which I know, some of which I never met in my life, showed up. And they made this book series come to life. And like when I was watching that scene, I literally was like in tears um, yeah. watching this beautiful, beautiful moment take place. And to me, that's that's Christmas. Like that's that's giving, you know, that's that's the season of like togetherness and community. And now I understand why so many people <laughs> love that, love that film. movie. Yeah. And there's a, a, one of my favorite parts is when George Bailey picks up the Tom Sawyer book and he and he and he reads it. And that line that, that Clarence wrote in there, you know, which says, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. And yeah. like, I'm getting chills right now, just, just talking about it. It just, it connected with me. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And it's, you know, no wonder that it's obviously a classic and will endure the, the test of time. So, so number eight for me is it's a wonderful life. And uh, we play, play a little clip from that film. Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. a boy, Clarence. to finally watch this movie, Danny. I'm, I'm amazed that you had not seen it till now, but I'm so <laughs> glad. Welcome to the club. It I know. Is, it, it's one of my absolute favorites. You'll, you'll definitely hear it later in my list. Uh, it, it is, and uh, what I will, am excited for you to have the experience of is it's a great film at any day, any time yeah. of the year, but watch it on NBC on Christmas Eve. They show it at, they usually show it either back to back or, I think, yeah, I think they usually show it twice on Christmas Eve. It is my right. number one Christmas Eve. Kids have gone to bed. We're just getting the last little preparations done. I watch it every single year at that time. Mm -hmm. And once you really have like that feeling of the last night of Christmas before you yeah. know, Christmas Day, it's such a great time to watch it. 
you know, it, it is, you know, Jimmy Stewart is so great in that movie. He's brilliant. I mean, I'm a huge Jimmy Stewart person fan as well. Um, but, uh, you know, he also just like as a person was such a great man. You know, he fought in World War II and like left mm. his Hollywood career to go be a pilot in World War II. And he's he's a great guy. <clears throat> great guy. And if you have never seen it, this is a little side note. Check out um, uh, Jimmy Stewart on the Johnny Carson show reading a poem about his dog, whose mm. I believe his name is Bo. Okay. Google that on YouTube. It is the most touching, heartwarming little little uh, talk show appearance that you'll ever see. But uh, it kind of shows you the heart of the man that you truly see in the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Did you ever see the movie? Um, it's not on my list, but I thought about it. And it's definitely a modern sort of retelling of It's a Wonderful Life. Have you ever seen the movie uh, The Family Man with Nicolas Cage? I and, uh, feel like I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've seen it all the way through. I might be thinking of Matchstick Men. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the Family Man stars films, Nicolas yeah. Cage, Don Cheadle, uh, and not Marissa Tomei. Marissa, not Marissa. No, doesn't matter. I can't remember remember the Taylioni. actress's name. Taylioni, that's her name. Taylioni. I don't know why I was saying Marissa. Uh, but yeah, it stars them, and it's basically Nicolas Cage is um, a very successful um like wall street guy who like just lives his life for himself and everything's good and he's rich and has a you know beautiful car and lots of women and nice clothes and a fancy job <laughs> and he it's sort of a, a almost a reverse it's a wonderful life he meets an angel who sort of says all right well let's show you what you could have and he shows him <laughs> his life had he sort of followed his high school sweetheart and married her mm. and he has like what seems like a hard life where he's a tire salesman and he's got two or three kids running around and it's like a messy house and he lives out in the suburbs and he's got to pay bills and he's like always stressed. But by the end of it, he kind of realizes that's what the good stuff is. That's mm. life. Like that's having like a, a family and kids and, and having, you know, the struggles of life is actually where the good stuff lives and resides. Totally. And then, you know, the angel says, all right, here's your nice fancy life back of being a Wall Street guy and lots of money in a fancy apartment. And he's like, no, I need my family back. My family. It's great. <laughs> but that's it was definitely inspired by It's a Wonderful Life. So oh, very totally. good choice yeah. there. Very Thank good you. choice there. I love it. I appreciate that. Um, All right. Number seven for me. I'm yes. going, oh, man, I can't, I'm sort of shocked that I put this one this low. I thought you were so about to change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, uh, yeah, uh, Family Man was just a, a bonus, bonus pick there. Uh, okay. Number seven, I'm gonna go Elf. I'm putting Elf. I can't Whoa, believe I have it all the way down seven. to seven. Whoa. I know it's, it's. I'm looking at my. Yeah, I, I feel take. good about this. I feel okay. good about it. Uh, but number seven, Elf. I love. I mean, it's obviously a classic. Everyone loves Elf. Will Ferrell, directed by John Favreau, such a great movie. James Caan. Uh, who else is in Elf? Um, oh gosh uh what tom tom Selleck's wife why am i blanking on her name right now tom um not not tom Selleck. what am i saying ted danson's wife ted oh danson's uh uh starts with an m mm, not meredith oh my gosh her, her name is <laughs> mary steenburgen mary steenburgen yes that oh, wow. is who uh she plays the mom you have yes. peter dinklage is in it uh, Kyle Gass is in it. Ed Asner. Um, 
Ed, Ed, oh, Ed, the amazing Ed Asner. Peter Randy. Billingsley from the Christmas Story is in it. Yeah. Um, oh my God. There's so many, so many great people in Elf. Uh, but obviously the star vehicle for, for Will Ferrell. Also very cool sort of thing that people may not remember now that Will Ferrell is such a, a bona fide A-list movie star. But at the time that they made Elf, it was kind of an independent film. Uh, Favreau was not of Marvel fame yet. You know, I think he right. was on Swingers, but he, he really was not, you know, the massive director that he is now. And Will Ferrell was pretty much just out of Saturday Night Live. So he was not yeah. necessarily a bona fide film star yet either. It's a great film. I, I love it for so many reasons. A big one is I did, I played Buddy the Elf in the, uh, the show Elf the Musical uh, in New York City. I got to do it at Madison Square Garden and do it in Boston. Uh, and, and I love the character. I love how insanely addicted and obsessed with Christmas he is. You know, I, I sort of identify <laughs> with that. So, I mean, I, I, there's so many great lines from it, you know. Hey, buddy, I hope you find your dad. It's, it's great. You know, uh, thanks, Mr. It's Narwhal. Just, thanks, Mr. Narwhal. <laughs> it's, it's so good. So, I mean, I think most people know it. Uh, here's a little clip from Elf starring Will Ferrell. Yeah, I think someone sent you a Christmas gram. Dad! All right, uh, let's get it over with. I walked all day and night to find you. You look like you came from the North Pole. <laughs> exactly where I came from. Santa must have called you. Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, just got off the cell phone with me. You did? So, go on. Go on with what? Well, I, are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? A song? Uh, yeah. Anything for you, Dad. Uh, I, uh, I'm... I'm here with my dad, and we never met, and he wants me to sing him a song. <laughs> and um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. So I'm here now. I found you, Daddy. And guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Wow, well, that was weird. Usually you guys just, uh, you know, Put my name in the jingle bells or something. It's me, your son. Susan Wells had me, and, and she didn't tell you. And, 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 but now I'm here. It's me, buddy. Susan Wells. You said Susan Wells? Yes. Who sent this Christmas gram? What's a Christmas gram? I want one. I think we should call security. Good idea. I like to whisper, too. It's okay, Walter's my father. Well, you're oh, so I need so to good. ask you, Eric. Yes. Eric, aside from the film, obviously, you can't say enough about Elf. It's brilliant. It's hysterical. The whole premise is just absolutely phenomenal. And, of course, Will Ferrell yes. was the only one who could play that in the film. But totally. you got to step into those those tights. Uh, what what was did. that like, getting to play that role in New York City around Christmas time, like talk talk me through because at Madison Square Garden, I mean that, that's that, that's some big audiences. Like, what was that experience like? Well, I'll tell you a couple of things. One, it was at the theater at Madison Square Garden, which mm. is huge. It is not like the right. actual arena, but the theater at Madison Square Garden is five thousand seats, so that's already Crazy. five times the size of size of most Broadway houses. So it was a a huge audience. Um, Playing the role was so fun because of my love of Christmas. Like, I didn't have to put anything on for that part of it. 
Um, I also love the there's a monologue that the character of Buddy gets to do in the stage version as opposed to the uh, the film. Uh, there's sort of a scene about it in yeah. the film, but in the play, it really kind of had this great monologue just about, you know, you guys think that Christmas is about the gifts and, and all these things, but it's really about your family and it's about being with the people that you love. And that's why I love Christmas. And it, and I got to get like really emotional. and I really felt like I, I nailed that monologue every night. I really loved like giving that message to an audience. Uh, and yeah. as you said, doing it in New York at, at Christmas time was awesome. Like <laughs> I remember when we did press for the, the, the show, I got to do two things that were awesome. I got in the full buddy regalia with the, you know, the green coat and the striped tights and the elf shoes. First, we went to the Empire State Building and went all the way up to the top floor and took pictures on the top of the Empire State Building in the full buddy regalia. And then, um, then we went to Rockefeller Center and did uh, ice skating in the full me and then uh, my, uh, oh my friend Rockstein who was playing Jovi. Uh, we went ice skating around the the ice rink in Rockefeller Center in our full costumes of of Buddy and Jovi, and like people were taking pictures and it was it was so fun. It was such a a great experience. It was an odd costume to wear in that the top being a wool pea coat was extremely hot, and the bottom being just imagine. tights was so. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of airflow going through there. So it was a very odd feeling in my body to be boiling hot above the waist and feeling extremely exposed below the waist. But I, I loved playing that role. And, and Elf is definitely uh, definitely a, a great film. And I, I'm, I am shocked that I put it as low as I did on the list. Do you have copies of these pictures that you can share with us that we can put up on our, I do. On our show's I do. Instagram I, page? We will, we will post these on our Instagram page. You, uh, oh, you my gosh. Lots of them. They're great. Spoiler alert, I'm actually looking at them on Google as we speak. And <laughs> yeah, if you, you Google top, my name and elf, you'll find quite a few. Oh my gosh, this is brilliant. But don't Google it, just go straight to our Instagram page. And, <laughs> yeah, and follow and us. Eric will have some exclusive ones that you can't find uh on Google. With a Google search. search. But this is yeah. this is brilliant. Oh my gosh. What, what year this was twenty fifteen? When was this? Yeah, probably twenty yeah, twenty fifteen ish. Oh my gosh. So. I'm so bummed that I didn't get a chance to see you. In this show. That would have been so much fun. I, would, I did get to you see know, you in School I of may... Rock, though, on Broadway. Oh, thank you. Uh, I remember when you came. It was great. Um, oh. I, You know, I hope to play that role again. I will say, you know, people have asked me, you know, what's your favorite show that you've ever performed in? And yeah. I have said that Elf may be my favorite show that I've ever done in that the cast that I was with was so spectacular and lovely and positive and just, like, great creative people that really, truly were feeling the spirit of christmas there was no cynicism in that cast which a lot Love of times in a, in a broadway show you can get a little bit of cynicism and i loved that everyone that was doing that show really um was all in on what we were doing and the message that we were trying to show with the, with the story of elf and christmas time and everything so it was definitely a highlight of my career that's amazing. Probably didn't hurt that it was a limited engagement, not like, oh, we're going to be doing this show eight times a week yeah, for yeah. 12 months. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to, yeah, it was basically <laughs> like, it was like a two and a half, three month gig, which was pretty great. You know, another cool memory that just uh, came to me that I remembered was uh, the, when we were performing in New York at Madison Square Garden, um, the crew guys that were at that theater were really cool and really nice to me and everything. And my daughter, uh, Sophie, was probably 
she would have been like five, four, about five years old, five or six years old at the time. And then my son uh, was under one. So wow. he couldn't really see the show. I think my wife maybe took him and watched from the back of the house a few times. But my daughter was like right at the right age to want to watch it. And she watched it from the audience quite a few times. But uh, there was one night in particular where the crew were kind of like let some protocols slide and said it was okay. And my daughter came and literally sat in the wings watching me perform. Oh, and, that's so cool. Um, and somebody has a picture. I'll see if I can find that picture of like from behind, from in the wings, like of my daughter sitting there watching me perform. And it was, it was really cool. A, a very a what an amazing memory, memory. For, for me. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You'll have to send us that photo so we can, so we can share it for all our, totally. our, uh, our followers. And if you're not following us already on social media, please do so. We're at Christmas countdown show on Instagram, on Patreon, on Facebook, on TikTok. We don't have any TikToks up, but we're going to change that real soon. Uh, will. You can also follow us on Twitter at XmasPod. Uh, please follow us all those places. That's where we like to share a lot of fun um, little polls and questions that we pose to you all. And some. And we're doing a bunch of like fun countdown stuff leading up to, to Christmas Day, um, which, which we're really, really excited about. So amazing movie. I can't believe it was number seven. I, it is... I it is higher than number seven on my list. What's fun about this one is we're getting we're getting a lot more repeats. I think this time more crossover than we did yeah, with our yeah. with our songs, which is fun. Um, so number seven for me is a film that I think is just I've I've come to appreciate it more as I've gotten older, and I think the the reason behind that is I think as I've become a dad and you know, work gets in the way sometimes, you know, of, of the time that you want to spend with, with your kids. And, and you don't realize that, you know, especially like if you are working a ton and, and when you're there with them, all they want is just your attention. That is, that is just all your that they yep. want. They want to be seen by you. They want to be recognized by you. And I think this movie um, is a perfect example of that. And that movie is the Santa Claus. Um, mm -hmm. I think you have a Good person one. who, and it's such a juxtaposition because he he works for a toy company and his, and his job is to come right. up with creative ideas that make kids so happy for kids and then <laughs> yeah and the last thing he ever wants to to be is Santa Claus and he's fighting it right and I think it's it's just it's such a brilliant story in the sense of the way that you see him and his son form this this bond together I love that scene on Christmas Eve where he 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 like sets the kitchen on fire or burns the turkey or whatever. And then cut to yeah. them. I and think they they're go to Denny's like, IHOP or whatever. Or the Waffle is. House or something. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. they're sitting there and it's all these like dads with their kids. And he's like, yeah, the totally. turkey. Like they're all sort of <laughs> looking at each other and they're all sort of like in it together. And it's just, yeah. it's such a fantastic film because it's so believable in the sense of like this dynamic between, you know, a kid who, whose, you know, parents are divorced. I think that was the story of a lot of kids from our generation and, you know, mom's remarried and dad's working and, and you're split between these two homes and you just look forward to the time. Maybe that's why I connected with it. It's like you just look forward to the time you get to spend with your dad. And, and when you're there, all you want is him to just pay attention to you and, and play with yeah. you and to know that, that you matter. And through this series of events of Santa Claus falling off their roof, um, <laughs> that's when Scott Calvin, SC, becomes Santa Claus. And then just watching sort of the evolution of him as a character. Obviously, that's like when Tim Allen was you know, one of America's dads, you know, sort of at that point sure. in time and home improvement. I just think time, it's a real, yeah. exactly. I think it's a brilliant film. I think it's a ton of fun. It's not going to, you know, change the world, but it's just, it's one of those films that I've really come to, to love. And I think a lot of films, they try to do Santa's workshop 
and when they get there, it just sort of sort of womp womp. The magnificence right. of Santa's workshop when they arrive up in the North Pole and all this tech that they have, you know, yeah. and that was in the days before we really had cell phones like we know them today, and in this elf squad that like goes flies around and and finds people who are in trouble or rescues Santa. Like I just yeah. love that aspect of things. I feel like it was ahead of its time in a lot of respects and. It's funny, it's whimsical, it's brilliant, and it's number seven on my list. Let's let's listen to a little bit of uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor, Tim Allen, as the Santa Claus. What? I heard a clatter. What, Charlie? There, a clatter. Charlie, what are you talking about? You know, it came a big noise. It's coming from outside. Charlie, it's just the wind or something. Come on, let's go back to bed. Somebody's on the roof. Maybe it's Santa. Not now, Charlie. I want you to sit here, and I want you to stay right there. Hey, you! What's up? Charlie, stay where you are. Charlie, would you listen to me? Stay up there. He's Santa. You killed him. I did not. And he's not Santa. Well, he was. He's got some ID on him, I bet. Fella, if you can hear me, I'm just looking for identification. Once you figure out who you are, I'll, I'll give you a lift back to the mall. If something should happen to me, put on my suit, the reindeer will know what to do. Yeah, right. Oh, man. That's so go wrong. good. So good. It's so good. It's and it good really one. was. Were like you expecting you said, that one was... to pop up on my list? Um, I'm not surprised. I love it. It didn't make my list, but it was definitely on okay. my list of that I was choosing between. Um, and I will say also the sequels were not bad. Uh, Santa Claus 2 yeah, and right? Santa Claus 3, both solid films. I don't feel like there was a major drop-off uh, between uh, the... Oh. My Uh-oh. kids are, are literally yelling at me right now from, the, they, from they, the other room. Are they yelling out um, their Christmas list? Yeah, they're yelling out their Christmas list right now. Um, but no, <laughs> the, uh, definitely a strong choice. Strong choice in, at number seven with the Santa Claus. All right, so that was so good. I love Santa Claus. Very strong choice at number seven. Let's go to my number six uh, uh, selection of favorite Christmas films. Uh, Eric, my Eric, number sorry, six- sorry. I need to. I need to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I know I do that a lot on the show, but this this one's for a good reason. I did a little reconnaissance. I've got a secret Santa that I reached out to, and I found out what the number six movie was on your top ten favorite Christmas movies list, and it is a Christmas story. So I was able to get in contact with Scott Schwartz. He played Flick. You know him, the guy who got his tongue stuck. The triple dog dare. Please welcome to the Christmas Countdown Show, Scott Schwartz. How are you, Scott? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Oh, my gosh, Scott. It's so nice to meet you. This is awesome. <laughs> yes, it worked out perfect. I love it. Really, it. Really I love it. 
I love Christmas Story is one of my favorite, most favorite movies of all time. It's a, a, a classic. Uh, I'll go into my little breakdown here of why I think it's great. Uh, I think that it is a film that uh, speaks to many, many generations, even though it is clearly sort of has a retro feel, a, a vintage vibe. Um, but it still resonates with so many people. It helps that it plays 24 hours on TNT and TBS <laughs> every year, which is, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure Scott loves the residuals when those are coming through, which is great. Um, <laughs> he says no. He says no. Oh, no, that's not good. But, uh, you know, I, I love this movie. I love what it says about, you know, just the relationships between fathers and sons. Uh, I personally love this movie because when I was a child, I actually looked exactly like Peter Billingsley. Uh, I had the same glasses. Uh, the time that the movie came out was about the same age that I was that that age of a, the boy, you know. And so I, I had multiple times as a child where people would literally stop me in the mall and be like, hey, you're the kid from Christmas Story, because I looked so yeah. similar to him. Uh, and I was like, no, I'm, I'm not, but that's awesome. I love that movie. Um, and, uh, you know, so I've, I've always loved it. I also... Uh, we're going to ask you, Scott, uh, about your experience with it. I'm going to tell you one quick story that I had with it. Um, I went to the house that they filmed A Christmas Story, th that they filmed the exteriors for A Christmas Story, is in Cleveland. Scott, I'm sure you're aware of all of this. Um, it now is a museum slash uh, experience, I guess you could say. What they did, and Scott, you correct me if any of this is wrong, what, from my understanding, when I visited the Christmas Story house in Cleveland, Ohio, was it was a house basically on a hill above a factory that uh, was very working class. And the directors and producers went to the owners of this house and said, hey, we'd like to use your house for the exteriors of our movie. You can go on vacation for a few months and then come back. They did. Eventually, uh, the movie was released. It was not hugely popular right off the bat, so it wasn't you know a, a tourist attraction yet. Those original owners got rid of the house. They you know they either left or sold it or whatever. The house kind of fell into disarray. It became a drug den, is what I was told. It was sort of like totally uh, you know not many. He, Scott's saying maybe not. We'll hear some more about it. <laughs> what he knows about it. Um, but the house was basically for sale on eBay, is what I saw. And a guy who was making uh, leg lamps as a side business saw that the house was available for, for sale, bought the house, gutted the inside of the house, and made it look exactly like the interiors that they had shot. I'm not sure where, Scott. I'm sure will tell us. Uh, for the rest of the film. And so now you can go to the house and it looks just like the house from the film. They have all the same, like the old sink and the old refrigerator and there's a Christmas tree and a, and a BB gun, obviously. And it is an amazing experience for any Christmas story fans. So as I've regaled you with that whole story, <laughs> let's bring in Scott and see if he can tell us some other fun tidbits about the movie. Scott, tell us what it was like working on a Christmas story. Cold. <laughs> that's a good point no, very I mean, cold you know, uh, Cleveland uh, that year they didn't have much in the way of snow but it was really cold you know it was Off probably lake, yeah. low 20s teens you know that kind of weather uh, and then when we shot uh, the school stuff was in St. Catharines Ontario which is sort of between Toronto and Buffalo mm, yeah. um, and it was anywhere from 20 to 24 below zero oh my god 
You know, so people have asked me, you know, like yourself, you know, oh, did you have fun? I'm like, not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> no. It was miserable. Thank God for video games and uh, the uh, our hotel was attached uh, in Higby Square to the store. He just had a little walkway. Mm, sure. So we didn't even have to go outside. And, uh, you know, the catering food was much better than what was at the hotel. So we were like, <laughs> okay. So you just did that. <laughs> How old were you, Scott, when you shot Christmas Story? Uh, a couple months before I was 15. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Wow. And I, was a, I was a small guy. Yeah, yeah. And do you have any uh, – we'll, uh, we're obviously going to ask you about your famous scene with the, the tongue on the pole. Uh, but do you have any memories other than that, that that sort of resonate with you still to this day? Like if I said – what is if I first thought? What is your first memory when you think about working on the film? What's the first thing you you go to? Uh, the guys that I worked with, you know, the kids, you know, Peter, mm. myself, uh, Zach, a little bit, Yano, a little bit. They wanted to keep us away from the bullies. They really didn't want us to be scared of them, which was really funny right. looking back. <laughs> um, you know, just uh, playing video games with Peter and hanging out, and I mean, watching Bob work, and he was, you know, uh, I was fortunate that. Flick is not in that many scenes, and I mean, while they could be integral, uh, Bob knew what I could do. Uh, another mm-hmm. film I had done, The Toy, was already out in the theaters, so he knew I could ad lib. He knew I could kind of just wing it. Yeah. Um, so gave me very little direction. It was more do what comes natural, go for it, and if I don't like it, I'll tell you. Yeah. yeah. You know. Whereas you know, uh, Peter, who played Ralphie, you know, he got. 97% of the direction because Bob wanted uh, the Ralphie character to be done a certain way. Very mm. specifically, yeah. Speaking of the toy, Jackie Gleason is one of my heroes. Uh, what was it like to, to meet him and work with him? Uh, he was older, so he yes. commanded respect. He commanded mm. respect, and he deserved sure. respect. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of when you're on uh, movie sets – you don't refer to somebody as Mr. You know, right. Richard Donner was Dick Donner or Dick or yeah, Richard. Sure. Richard Pryor was Richard Rich, whatever. Um, but but Jackie Gleason was Mr. Gleason or Mr. Great Gleason. One. Yeah, that's great that was one. His, uh, oh, you know, wow. his moniker. Yeah, the Great One. Yeah, it was he by the Great One. Uh, that was uh, you know, a lot of times like on his chair, like and stuff. We would say the Great oh, One. Oh yeah, I would say the Great One or you know, Mr. Gleason. Yeah. Uh, there were times when I was allowed to call him Jackie, but it was right. always in a private setting. You know, being, right, if yeah. we were at the hotel or we were at um, dinner or uh, his trailer, you know, going over notes and stuff for scenes coming up. Yeah. Then I was okay to call him Jackie. Honestly, sure. I called him Mr. Gleason for about the first month and just my personality, the way I am, I just start calling him Pop and Dad. That yeah. was it, and he was okay with that. I like that. That's, That's great. Cool. Hey, Eric, I, I love it. Can I jump in with a question? Real yeah, quick jump in there for, for Scott. So, first of all, Scott, I, I'm thrilled that you agreed to join us here on the show. You're actually the first guest that we've ever had on the Christmas Countdown. Uh, Eric and I just started this show Woo! for fun because we're both obsessed with with Christmas. We obviously have our professional lives. You know, Eric being an actor, me being a producer, but. We just love Christmas, and we want to spread some joy. So we want to thank you for being a part of this. And I'm sure there's so many people who are listening or watching that are huge fans of A Christmas Story, and I'm sure they're they're flipping out right right now, or maybe they're flicking out. I don't know. Um, there you go. That was a good I, one. I, that that was a that was a dad joke and a pun all in one. Um, 
but but I'm curious. I'm sure you've been asked this question in various capacities over the years, but I always find it interesting when you get to connect with somebody who's a part of such uh, an iconic piece of, you know, film or television or music history and also an iconic moment. I mean, arguably your your scene with the pole is is you know, one of the the most iconic moments in a Christmas movie ever, not just a Christmas story, but a Christmas movie ever. Is that is that really cool for you, you know, all these years later to be able to look back on that and, and, and to be able to share that memory with people? And, and, and what is it like when you get to talk to people about it? Uh, listen, there are worse things you could be remembered for, you know. <laughs> it's true. And uh, I have no children, so I'm not really going to leave that kind of a legacy behind. Hmm. So to leave behind something that makes people smile, it's a good memory, uh, it makes them laugh, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, meeting the fans and talking to people. I'm I'm a people person. So it's like, you know, I have no problem with all that stuff, you know. And uh, while it's nice and it's great and it's all of those things, in the bigger picture of life, it really means nothing. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I did Christmas Story and I'm the flagpole and they, they have a bronze statue of me in Hammond, Indiana, the home of Gene Shepard, <laughs> you know. Now That's with awesome. all of that. It still cost me five bucks for a coffee and a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant at Dunkin' Donuts. Right. So, <laughs> it 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 on on a day to day basis, it it doesn't really mean anything until mm. somebody brings it up and they cherish the memory and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, it's great. I'm not saying it's bad at all. You know, it uh, it's just something that there's, you know, there's there's two pieces of every actor's life. It's things they're known for, and then when they walk in the door at home. Right. Yep. You yeah. Know, that's true. We're all people, you know. So, I've I've just I've never forgotten where I came from. You know, I'm here for a couple of days before a convention, a, a the Chiller Theater show in Parsippany, New Jersey. Anybody okay. can check it out. Theater ChillerTheater.com. Um, they got about Fantastic. sixty or seventy celebrities there. Uh, but I just never forgot where I came from. You know. Right. And and I still have the friends that I have uh, from kindergarten, second grade, fifth grade, eighth grade. You know. I love that. I love that you stay connected to your roots. I love that. Um, you know, yeah. Danny did bring up the the famous flagpole scene, and I I'm, I know I apologize. I know you've been asked a bajillion times in your life about this. Uh, I, I am aware of how it went down, but for our listeners who may not be aware, how did they execute the uh, getting your tongue stuck to the pole? Uh, there was a real pole back there fr from the school, but they put a piece of plastic over it. They kind of painted it to make it look like an old rusty pole. Uh -huh. They put a hole in it with a little suction tube, and there was a motor in the snow, kind of like a dirt devil, you know, the yep. old vacuum cleaner thing, yeah. which is just, that's just how it was. And the hole was about the size of your pinky nail, and it was just a, <laughs> that was really it. Did it hurt at all when you like pulled back against the no. suction? No, no pain. It I mean, really, and I and I, and I go back to it. It was just more the weather, the cold. Mm, sure, you know. So when you're out there and you've got your mouth open and your tongue hanging out, it's getting cold. It's starting yeah. to freeze. Right. Now, it wasn't yeah. freezing to the pole because it's plastic, but it's just the the instant dry mouth. Yeah, you know, exposed and, and to the elements. Yeah, we did we you had feel to do it twice? Yeah, I was going to say, how many takes did you guys have to do? Yeah, twice. Well, the first time we did it took 12 and a half hours for the entire <laughs> scene. Are you serious? Uh, and then about 10 days later, Bob Clark kind of pulled me aside and he said, I sort of have some good news and I sort of have some bad news. <laughs> and I was like, okay. 
He goes, the good news is that you're going to be with us an extra three or four days. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. He said, the bad news is they underdeveloped the film. We got to oh, go out and do the whole gosh. scene again. Oh, my wow. gosh. So the second time we actually did it. only took 11 and a half hours. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. That's awesome. That's so cool to know. Did you feel like it, 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 the moment and also the film, did you guys, and I know that nobody ever feels when they're making a project like, oh, this is going to be a classic. But was there any sense of like, this could really stand the no. test of time and be something important? This no. film was a labor of love for Gene, for, for Bob Clark, the director, yeah. who loved Gene Shepard's work. Mm. And I mean, it's a film that he tried for 10 years to get made and nobody would go near it. Uh, but he did this other film that was a completely different genre in Porky's. Yeah. And it was so successful that they wanted him to do Porky's too. And Bob knew this is the shot because I have yeah. the juice. I got the power right now. And they were heading into like August. And he's like, listen, I can't shoot Porky's September, October, November. You can't do it. You know, right. it's a, uh, a spring, summer kind of movie. So he says, I'm going to shoot a Christmas story. And they're like, what's that? So he told them what it was. They really still didn't want to do it. They hmm. didn't give him the full amount of the budget he wanted. Nothing. But it right. just landed in that time frame where he could make it. And while we were shooting it, he was editing it at the same time. Wow. So when they finished principal photography, there was going to be very little voiceover and whatever. He could do uh, pre-production on Porky's in March and April and by May, June, be, be shooting Porky's too. Wow. This is a movie that had no big stars, not yeah. a big budget, no special effects of any real means. Yeah. Uh, nothing. It was just a small, little, lovely movie that he really wanted to do. And, uh, and people, you know, uh, uh, and people enjoy it. I mean, I, I, what you had said in the beginning about, well, it really wasn't all that successful. It's not, you have to understand the mechanics of how things work. MGM put nothing, right. no money behind this movie. Mm, you see, right. Star Wars or Star Trek or Iron Man, they spend 50, 100, 200 million dollars promoting yeah. these things. Yeah, MGM didn't spend 12 cents, you know, <laughs> they, did... didn't even, they didn't want to put it in the theaters, they literally right. were just going to shove it on, <clears throat> excuse me, on VHS. And Bob called Darren McGavin and said, Hey, do you have any investor guys? They're going to shelve the movie. We both want it in the theaters. Can yeah. we get some money and buy the film from MGM to get it in the theaters? At that point, MGM relented. They said, fine, we'll give it a release. They put it in 400 theaters. It did good. The uh -huh. second week, it was 800 theaters. The third week, it was 1,200 theaters. Wow. Then all the Christmas, the big Christmas films came. Yeah. And we were gone from the theater. But yeah. I mean, so it made money. You know, in this yeah. little baloney release of these couple of weeks. Right. Um, so MGM didn't lose any money on the film. They made money on the film. Right. You know, and then it sat in, in VHS hell for the next, you know, 12 years. Uh, and Ted Turner was buying parts of the MGM library for TBS and TNT. Yep. And one of the last films he bought was Christmas Story. Wow. Wow. That's Dude. such a great story of it. Yeah, and yeah. what year was that? Because I, I feel not, like if not for Ted Turner's secretary, it never would have been bought. 
Why is that? She saw, yeah. she saw the film and loved it. She had it at home on VHS. And I, I got this from somebody who was very high up at, at, yeah. at Turner who was a family member. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, just that's how things happen. Yeah. Um, and she said to Ted, why don't you buy Christmas Story? He had no idea what it was. So wow. she brought it in and Ted Turner and Jane Fonda sat in the office and watched Christmas Story and said, oh, what a wonderful little movie. Hmm. That and is so they so bought it. Great. And then she said to him, you know, we did um, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. They did two years. And the second year, the ratings just kind of tanked. So that was the end yeah. of that, the marathon. Then yeah. they did Wizard of Oz. And one year was okay. And the second year, it kind of tanked. So they said, why don't we try it with Christmas Story? They only had $250,000 into the film. So it wasn't right. like they spent millions and millions. To get it, yeah. They bought it. First year, it did okay. Second year, the ratings go up. All right, well, let's... Try to see what happens again. Right. By years four, five, six, seven, eight, they had a cash cow. Totally. You know, and, and it's it's over 50 million homes watch parts of the marathon now. That's wow. amazing. That's got to be so cool, though, for you to have been a part of that journey to go from something that you didn't even know if it was going to get released in the theaters. And then finally they relent and they do 400, then 800, then 1200, and then it sits for a while. And now you're talking about, you know, tens if not hundreds of millions of people all around the world who have watched this film that you made all those years ago that's that's got to be a really cool journey to sort of look back on yeah i mean it, it for me as opposed to all the other guys really um i mean from 83 until 95 i was the guy from the toy i was the kid from the toy and that's just right, what right. it was and then the marathon started and by 97 98 all of a sudden the swing kind of happened <laughs> Yeah. And it became the guy with the tongue on the pole. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> right. So I right. kind of went through, I went through the, both phases, you know, two different phases completely. Right. Um, of, of having that notoriety, you know, I mean, I, I, I the, and this happened uh, as a kid, I'm like 18, 19 years old. And I really got tired to some degree of being the kid from the toy everywhere. I went, everything I did, it was always Richard Pryor, this Jack, said, which was fine, but it just got to be, you know, just overbearing redundant. at some Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. And uh, I'm visiting my uncle at the at the time in Michigan, and he kind of had a little notoriety himself. He was, you know, Alan Schwartz, the singing window washer and a comic too. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> he was in the newspapers. He did yeah. a little bit of TV, <laughs> more radio, local. Okay, fine, and. Um, he took me to a Pistons game. He had a friend that, you know, got great yeah. tickets. And we were literally under the basket. And right before the game, you know, the announcer comes on, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Palace of Auburn Hills and blah, 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 whatever. And the guy says, we have a celebrity in the house. And I went, <laughs> oh, my God. No, no, it can't be happening. You know, 16,000 right. people here, man. I'm right. open season. No, no, it can't be happening. Yeah. And the guy goes, ladies and gentlemen. Alan Schwartz, the singing window washer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank God. I was like, thank that's God. Brilliant. You know, oh, that's brilliant. They put my on the big yeah. screen and he waved and people are taking pictures and I'm sitting there just watching him going, thank God. Oh, my God. Thank God. That's that's incredible. Me. Oh, that's great. I love that I love so that. much. One thing I noticed uh, when I was watching, I, I watched you know a little bit of the film last night because I knew you were going to be jumping on and I wanted to make sure that. You know, I was fully tapped in because I, I didn't grow up in one of those families where a Christmas story was was one of those films that, that we went to. And it's only in recent years that 
I watched the film and then I saw, you know, the musical production that, you know, they did on Broadway and then you have done regionally. Um, one thing I noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that there is a kid named Schwartz in the scene with you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's I, in the book. Yeah. There's, I, there's I, Ralph, Ralphie, Randy, Scott Farkas, Grover Dill, Flick, Schwartz. And Schwartz, which was when I first watched it, I was like, wait a second. They just call him by his, and I thought for a second, I was like, did I just notice a mistake in the film? You know, like when you go back and watch films, and I, I love that Amazon does that. It'll, it'll tell you errors in the film. If you pause it in the middle of a scene, it'll it'll show you issues with the film. But I, I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. I wonder if anyone's ever called called that out before. Is that Was that sort of fun that, that not only you were in the film, but your, your name was in the film as well? It was hilarious because you're on the set and they're like, hey, Schwartz, we need you over here. I said, what do you need? They go, no, no, not you, the other Schwartz. <laughs> Character Schwartz, yeah. The other That's Schwartz, okay, that. fine. You know, Speaking but, of... Uh, the, the the infamous phone call. Hmm. You know, Ralphie's yeah. got the, the soap in his mouth yeah. and, and mom wants to know who said it and he blurts out Schwartz. Yeah. Okay? Right. So she picks up the phone and she calls Mrs. Schwartz. Now, my mom is a little four foot, 10 inch woman who's very boisterous, was always very loud. You know, she was the one that if I was playing two blocks away, I was playing football, baseball, whatever, and it was dinner time, she literally would open the front door and just scream my name. And you could hear it blocks away. <laughs> yeah. So now you've got Ralphie's mom telling Schwartz's mom, he's like, wah, 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 and she's going yeah. crazy. My mother thought that it was a dig on her. Oh, I mean, my mother, you know, thought, what do you sure, do? You tell yeah. I scream and I'm loud and, right. and I'm like, no, mom, it had nothing to do with me. <laughs> it has nothing to do with you. You know, and of course, oh, my funny. friends that I grew up with that all know my mom, <laughs> you know, they're going yeah. to do with me. And that, that, you know, I can't, we can't, I still had nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, That's they still give great. you crap about that, that to this day. No. Nah, it's yeah, it's run that's... its course. Okay. When you know guys for literally forty years or longer, my yeah. friend Kenny that he lives over in uh, Malvern, Pennsylvania, he was he's been my best friend since second grade. We're talking, you know, I'm six seven years old, you know. So I mean, we're right. friends forty six forty seven years. Mm. You yeah. know that no. Yeah, just, you know, have you because Danny brought it up? Have you seen the uh, Broadway musical or the the theatrical version of Christmas Story, the musical version? We saw the original before Broadway. When they we start, they started in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and then they went to uh, oh god, uh, it was Kansas City, Seattle, Chicago, and then to Broadway. Then we, went to Broadway. we went to the Kansas City one. We went to the Seattle one. Uh, by the time they got to Broadway, you know, you'd seen it. Yeah. Did you it's, enjoy it? It was cute. Yeah. It was well, cute. I, you know, I enjoyed, you know, even though I was not a, uh, uh, let me put it this way. I wasn't overly thrilled with the live version that Fox did. Mm, yes. You know? Yeah. 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 Not overly, not overly thrilled, but sure. You know, uh, Jane Krakowski is Miss Shields. Yeah. Was just wonderful. I've known Jane since she's a teenager. Yeah, and uh, and I have to watch it because it is what it is. You sure, know? you got to see it. Yeah, and I see I see Jane, and she does the first number and whatever. I picked up the phone and I called Teddy Moore, who was Miss Shields in the yeah. film. Yeah, and I called her up. She lives up in Toronto, and I said, "Hey, Teach, what's going on?" She said, "Are you watching this?" I said, "Yeah, I'm watching." I said, "Baby, you your legs, you never look so damn good." She said, "I look good, don't I?" <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. That's I love brilliant. that. I, I'll that, tell you when was I was that Pasek and Paul's oh, one of their first musicals they had that went to Broadway, right? It was. Wow. It was because now so, yeah. now they're killing it with you know the Greatest Showman and Dear Evan Hansen and sure. Yeah. Uh, then they when write, I saw there were things that are musicals. It's really tough to take something from the theater, and I don't mm. care what it is, to take it from a from a, a movie to make it into a show. Most don't survive. If it's a musical, you have a great chance it's going to make it. Whether sure. it's Sister Act or whether it's you know whatever uh, Greatest Showman, yeah, those things are much easier because people are used to seeing. The big sets, the singing, the dancing. Yeah, right. Christmas Story is not a musical. So for them to have created it, it it takes a lot of ingenious and a lot of moving parts. Totally. It's just tough, you know, because you go in there and you're used to seeing me and Peter and Zach and Yano and Ian and R.D. and Teddy Moore. Our faces, our bot, you're used to that because that's what you've been watching on your television or in the theater for decades. And then you get this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, honestly, the guy who did it first, uh, his name's John Bolton. He's a, he's a theater actor. Yeah. He did he's it a in buddy Kansas of mine. City and he did yeah. it in uh, Seattle and he did it in Chicago. You know, I, I and, and, and it was like he was wonderful. He did it on, I mean, the guy was just magnificent. Yeah. Then Fox turns around and they went I to know. because they wanted a name. And I'm they like, they got to get the star. No. Casting. Yeah. I know. No. I know. Don't right. Go I'll tell you. The name, go for the when talent. I saw it, when I saw it on Broadway, um, uh, I saw. I remember enjoying it, and obviously being a huge fan of the film, I, I enjoyed it. But my favorite moment when I saw it in New York was uh, Dan Loria was playing the narrator, uh-huh. and um, Dan Loria of uh, Wonder Years fame. He played the dad on Wonder Years, and I felt like uh, I've told this story before. I felt like <clears throat> his whole performance up to the last. Two minutes of the film or of the the show was he kind of was throwing everything away. He's like, and then uh, you know, then mom came in and did this, and and he's sort of narrating it, but he's 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 not seeming very emotionally invested. He's just sort mm. of being the narrator and just saying what happens. Whereas in the film, I feel like the narrator is truly feels like they're really thinking about all those memories, right? It's Gene so Shepard. Yes, exactly. And so it gets to the end. And and Dan Loria is saying, you know, and, and, you know, that was the Christmas that that my dad got me a BB gun and I'll always remember. And he got like so emotional so quickly and he started crying. He was like, and I'll always remember that that was the Christmas that my dad really showed that he loved me. And and like I just started crying. I I was wearing contacts at the time (laughs) and my contacts literally (laughs) cried out of my eyeballs and fell onto the floor of the theater. And I I'm totally blind without my contacts and my wife had to like walk me home. I was like, it was so emotional (laughs) when he started talking about his dad and the baby gun. And so yeah, I I I I thought that, you know, the the musical was a a valiant effort, but that moment in particular was uh was very, very touching. Um we're, we have one more question for you, Scott. Uh, we we uh, totally appreciate I'm you here. spending Listen, time got, with us. All I got to do, uh, where are you guys from? We're in L.A. right now. Both of us are in L.A. So yeah, you're but- in L.A. So you're going to have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about unless you lived on the East Coast. <laughs> uh, we both have, so yes. The, the rest of the day, I mean, I've, I've got to go over to a place called BJ's. It's a club kind of like Costco. 
And I try to go pick up devil dogs, ring dings, yodels, Yankee doodles, and coffee cakes for a friend of mine who owns a pizzeria in L.A. <laughs> He's getting all the East Coast stuff. I love it. I love to. it. Yeah. yeah. Tell uh, us well, this one thing. Why Why do you think that Christmas Story has still – why does it still resonate with audiences today? You already said it. It's a multi-generational film. Hmm. The 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 great-grandpas and grandpas that are still around, it's their generation. The grandmas, yep. it's their generation. They passed it down. It's a very wholesome film. It's a relationship film between a father and a son, and it was done, you know – on a scale of one to ten, it was a twelve. You know that that Bob Clark put it together. Magnificent casting, everything about it just worked. You know, yeah. you you got that lightning in a bottle. You got that magic that happened um, that nobody expected. Yeah, you know, there's there's no lead up. It's not Star Wars. It's not you know whatever uh, Raiders of the Lost. No, it's none of those things. It's you know, it's a little movie. That people just went, oh, this is really nice. I can show yeah. this to my kids. I can show this to my grandkids. And then I can show it to my kids. And I can show it to my kids. Yeah. You know, um, most people have that one particular holiday that they remember for one reason or another. You know, something that happened or something they got or whatever it was. Yeah. So it it, it just resonates with most people. I've met a few people along the way that just that just that's just not their thing. <laughs> you know i'm sure they're few and far between though but it I mean, almost feels like really that's funny. the way when, when it somebody to be. says to me you know i saw it just you know not not for me i said well, what kind of movies do you like oh i like friday the 13th i like jaws <laughs> well then of course it, that's just not gonna be your cup of tea <laughs> yeah totally totally yeah. you know but but, but pretty if... much anybody else you know they're gonna find something in there that that they're gonna like i love that scott i i want to say a huge thank you for you taking so much time and being so generous with with your insights about not just the film but Dan, you know, got another couple career. hours whatever you want i don't care man. <laughs> this is yeah, fun this is fun i'm relaxed i'm sitting at my friend's house this is all good no i, I know it and, well, and we're enjoying it i just we gotta i still gotta say what my number six film is and i, I think maybe one thing we can do to, to wrap it up with you before before you leave us scott is do you have any favorite holiday movies you know from your childhood or adulthood that that you want to throw out there and and, and add into this this episode uh let's see my holiday movies i will always watch yankee doodle dandy any time of the year i could care less what day of the year it is with james cagney (laughs) uh yeah i like elf elf is one of uh, one of my favorites yeah on our list much of a christmas vacation guy you know Mm. there are people that just love it and i'm like and we're glad that you were in a Christmas story. We're so glad that you spent time with us today. We really appreciate it. You've brought some real star power to our podcast, and yep. uh, you know your work well, in that you. film and, and all of your career has been spectacular. It's been a real pleasure meeting you, Th- Danny. Thank you for bringing Scott in here. Uh, this That's was what awesome. Do. So thank you so much, Scott. We, well, we thank adore our you, Jerry, because it's really our friend Jerry that got Danny and I together. <laughs> That's Fantastic. right, Jerry. Shout out to Jerry, uh, who I used to play adult kickball with. Um, he reached out to me <laughs> on Facebook and he said, "Hey, you got to have my buddy Scott on your show. He'd be a great guest." And and he was right. So you know, I got to give that to Jerry because he actually is the reason that I met my wife as well because we got recruited to play on the same kickball team. So so Jerry's always connecting me with great people. And then he almost ruined my engagement. But that's a that's a story for another time. Um, 
Scott, he put like thank... wasabi in the cake. What did he do? No, yeah. he he. We had a a private. Uh, I'll I'll make this a quick story. Um, we had a private Facebook group that for our team, and I and I sent out a message to everybody except my wife, saying, "Hey, I'm going to propose to her after tonight's game. Here's how I want." to do it and here's the plan blah 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 you know i'm a producer i wanted to you know talk step by step so everyone was aware because i wanted to film it and get angles and all that stuff and so then jerry sends out another message to another private group that he creates with everybody on the team except me but he included my wife and he said okay so danny's got his surprise now here's ours when he goes to pop the big question uh here's what we're gonna do and and so he calls me and he goes i i messed up man i really <laughs> really messed up man and i said what did you do he goes i sent out a message and lynn's on it so like i immediately call my my wife's a hairdresser so i call her best friend who works at the salon with her and i go you got to you have got to steal lynn's phone you got to get it from her and you've got to delete that message immediately she goes okay i'm on it and so <laughs> So anyway, I'm all, my brother is on the team as well. So he's seeing like this chat happening dynamically live. And so then all of a sudden it pops up with Lynn's has seen the message. And then it's Lynn writes back. She goes, what are you talking about? And then all of a sudden you see uh, John left the conversation. Uh, Stephanie left the con. Everyone's <laughs> leaving the conversation because they don't oh, want to be there for it. And, oh my God. and so my wife was, cause it was around the holidays. So she was so busy at work. She didn't really think anything of it. She thought Jerry was just being weird. So, so she didn't think anything of it. And so fortunately, uh, she, she, she didn't know what was going on. And, and I still proposed to her that night and she said yes. And, and now we're married. So anyway, yes, all that to say, Gordon. yeah, wow. exactly. But, but Jerry is, is, is the common thread. So thank you, Jerry, for connecting <laughs> us to Scott. And thank you, Scott, for joining us on the show. This has been an absolute thrill, and I'm sure it was such a fun, you know, walk down memory lane for a lot of our listeners out there. And, um, you know, Scott, is there anything that you know you want to you want to promote before we let you you go here? Any of the fans who might be listening that you know ways they can get in contact with you? I know you're you're big in the like, uh, my Facebook world. is Scott Schwartz actor. That's what's, okay. that's the Facebook thing. Uh, I'll be at Chiller Theater this weekend. I don't know when you're gonna. This is going live or what we're doing here. Uh, then after that, I'm in, uh, I think it's Rye, New York, and then I'm in Tampa, Florida, the first weekend in November. These are all conventions uh, that people can, can come meet you at, is that correct? Yeah, at the, the at the fairgrounds, at the toy and memorabilia show there. I'm um, in two different places in Arkansas, or in Alabama, excuse me. I'll be in Toledo, Ohio, uh, the week before Christmas. The week of Christmas, I'm in Phoenix at a, at a memorabilia toy wow. toy store. Uh, and if got, someone uh, wants to, you can go to... to a Christmas Story Family page on Facebook, mm. and we're doing a big event in upstate New York. Myself, Scott Farkas, Grover Dill, and and Randy or Zach, Ian, and Yano. I just call them by their yeah. stage names because then sure, yeah. this. Um, we're doing a live thing from there. You know, where people can come and meet us all, the VIP thing and all that stuff. It's also Amazing. a virtual thing if you wanted to do it that way. So if you're in other parts of the country and you don't want to come to upstate New York over Thanksgiving weekend, <laughs> you can, you know, just do the, the, the virtual thing. But, you know, so – and we also have, a, 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 on, on, like I said, on Facebook, a ChristmasStoryFamilyShop.com, which is where we have our autographed memorabilia and other stuff that we have that's our thing as opposed to – somebody else's ownership so we all have that stuff 
Love very, that. Very cool. Protect, Take a look. Protect you get your rights. From us and all kinds of stuff. Very cool. Well, well listeners, make sure you go check out, uh, you know, as Scott said, the, the Christmas Story family page on Facebook, also a ChristmasStoryFamily.com. Uh, Shop.com. Shop.com, excuse me, and get your get your signed photo from, from Scott and the rest of the cast. Uh, again, Scott, huge, huge thank you for taking the time to join us and, and being so generous with, with your insights. It's, it's been, a, you got it, it's guys. been an absolute stay well, pleasure. Stay healthy. Have a, have a great holiday season, everybody listening. Stay well, stay healthy. Have a lot of fun. Tell a joke every day. Have a smile. Sing a song. <laughs> I love thank that. Thank you, Scott. That was awesome. Right. You're the best. Scott man. Shorts, everybody. Thank you, Scott. Oh my gosh, Danny, what a cool surprise that you like Merry set Christmas. up our Merry first Christmas. guest and a, a bona fide star from a classic Christmas film with Christmas Story. That was so cool. And thank you so much for that uh, early Christmas gift. That was awesome. That's what friends are for. Yes. Keep That's how we roll. I, I believe in spreading awesome. Christmas cheer uh, all throughout the year. I have to tell you, there was a story that I, I, I didn't tell Scott, uh, but I'll tell you now. Um, uh, when I visited the Christmas Story house the time that I went in 2010, or maybe 2011, mm-hmm. somewhere around there, um, we were there and we're walking, <laughs> we're walking around the house and, you know, you could take a picture with the BB gun and in the sink with the soap and everything. Uh, and <laughs> they were like, all right, everybody, we have a surprise. And down walks this uh, gentleman about my age uh, named Ian Petrella, I believe is his name. He played okay. uh, the little brother. He played Randy. And oh my he was gosh. in the house because once we met him and he, like, took pictures with us and stuff, uh, he's, you know, a middle, <laughs> middle-aged dude. And and he he came down and he, he took pictures with us and we're like, so what's your deal? What, you just, like, living upstairs? And he said, yeah, basically, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not an actor anymore. I'm a, a graphic designer. And uh, at Christmas time, I don't do it year round, but at or, you know the last like month or so before Christmas, they pay me to come and literally live in the house. And he walked us up. Oh he has gosh. like a little bedroom that's like not in the area that you can walk around in. He's like, yeah. I do my work at the desk here, and then every fifteen twenty minutes, they sort of give me a little text. I come downstairs, <laughs> I take pictures with the group that's come through the house, and then I go back oh upstairs and I keep working. And I was like, what a fun way to sort of. Stay connected to what a uh, to that story. Yeah, he's Isn't working and working at the same time. That is exactly that double is pay. brilliant right there. I got to find that gig. Unfortunately, I was not a child <laughs> yeah. actor, so that you won't be get happening yourself for in me. A, in a Christmas classic, right? But uh, but anyway, you know, huge thank you again to Scott Schwartz for agreeing to come hang out with us on the show. That was totally. a really really cool moment. If you want to see some photos of of Scott, we'll put those up on our Instagram page. I'm sure we'll post a couple of photos of us uh, talking to him here as yeah. well. Um, I'm just. I'm so happy that, that he agreed to be a part of this. I'm feeling in a good mood. So why don't we move it on to uh, my number six pick. Number six. What you uh, got? The last pick of this episode. I have a film that when I was a kid, I it's so funny. Like I was saying earlier is that for me, like when I think about, because every year I get together with, with my siblings and sometimes my folks will come over as well because we all live in the same town. And, you know, from like starting four or five weeks out from Christmas, we do a weekly movie night where we come over, everyone comes over, we watch a Christmas film and we're always watching the same films every single year. And I feel like I got into that pocket of like, these are the five films that I watch every single year. And I, I've forgotten about some Christmas movies that I really like. And so the other day, actually this was yesterday. 
I decided I was going to go back and watch a film that I remember really enjoying as a kid. And I, and I, cause my dad worked at NBC, I would go to all these like press events and we went to the press preview of this film at the Cinerama Dome in Hollywood. And I remember I was gifted the, the soundtrack and I had like a six disc changer at that point at my home. So I would listen <laughs> right. to this soundtrack over and over again and putting the film on yesterday. And actually I was, I was in here in my garage riding my Peloton while, while watching the movie and my daughter came out and watched it with me. And we, her and I were just cracking up at the comedy, the brilliance of this film. And that film is Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. Um, I had forgotten not just how much I love that movie, but how much I love the Muppets. Yes. I, their, their humor is absolutely brilliant. If you have not watched that film recently, I, I implore you to it go watch it. It stands The performance that Gonzo and Rizzo <laughs> yeah. give in that film, the two of them together are, are comedic perfection. There's this yeah. moment where like Rizzo's like lost his jelly beans or something like that. And they, they pop out somewhere and, uh, and Rizzo looks at Gonzo and he goes, Hey, you want a jelly bean? He goes, he goes, what? He goes, yeah, I had him the whole time. And Gonzo <laughs> turns away and he looks back and then Rizzo just goes and kisses him right on the nose. <laughs> it's just so random and so and funny. Sweet and, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Michael Kine, uh Michael in there Kine. as well. Do you have a, a Michael Caine impersonation? This is Michael Caine and I've just retired from acting. That's pretty good. I'm Mark decent. Kine. Yeah. I'm Michael Caine. I feel like whenever anyone does an impersonation of Michael Caine, it's I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah, it is sort of a slow <laughs> or at least repetition that's what my dad of does. Saying, saying their name. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's but a great, it's, it's, it's a great it's film. It's hysterical. The songs are, are really, really fun. Like, I, I, yeah. don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched this film. It's, it had to have been at least 15, 20 years. But the film was on. I'm riding my Peloton. I'm like, we're Molly and Molly. Molly. Oh. And I was like, why do I know this song so well? <laughs> um, or when or when the ghost of Christmas present comes on, he goes, it's in the street corner choir. That is on by the fire. Yes. Um, and it, the singing's not fantastic in the film, but it doesn't need to be. And and also the, the way they cast the way they cast Kermit as Bob Cratchit is yes. so perfect. It's yeah, the the way they Their cast all song. of the Muppets is perfect. And and the puppetry in it, I I don't know how like this was made back in the early nineties. And yes. there are scenes where like Kermit's walking down the street with like, you know, Tiny Tim on his shoulder. You don't see any strings. Yeah. At all. Totally. His legs moving up and down, they're doing this like scat song together, like Gonzo's walking through the middle of the street, and you don't see any strings and you have not only the puppets, but then you have, or the Muppets, you have the the human actors existing together. It's it's brilliantly yeah. done. It's so seamless. It's beautifully directed. It's beautifully scored. It's hysterical. It's number six on my list. It's the Muppet Christmas Carol, and I will be watching it every year moving forward um, as part of my, my rotation around the holidays. Let's listen to a little clip from, from Muppet Christmas Carol. May I welcome you to Christmas Morning! Ho, 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 ho,
It's in the singing of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. It's true wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. A cup of kindness that we share with another. A sweet reunion with a friend or a brother. In all the places you find love, it feels like Christmas. It is the season of the heart, a special time of caring. The ways of love made clear. Oh, man. You are so right to include this. I, in my mind, thought of it as a TV special. Otherwise, I oh would have included gosh. it as well. I'm just this saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> this guy I agree with you that it is TV classic specials. and spectacular and a, 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 a must-see in your Christmas viewing uh, uh, calendar. But in yes. my mind, that's why that's the only reason I didn't include it. I will say that this one is closer to being a film than I think Rudolph is. But oh my gosh. I still would classify it as a TV special in my you mind. And your rules, me and my rules. But I I love it. It's very very strong choice. Uh, I I I love Muppet Christmas Carol. You should definitely definitely check it out. And that actually, that brings us to the end of today's episode. We only went yes. 10 through 6, uh, but if you've mm-hmm. been following us, we do 10 through 6 one day, and then uh, the next episode we do 5 through 1 to sort of spread it out, sprinkle the, the hope and the, the joy of the season throughout the week a little more. The cheer, a little um, Christmas cheer. That's right. So we thank you so much for listening today. We hope that you will come back uh, uh, on Monday for a new episode yes. to hear number 5 through 1 of our top favorite christmas films uh we hope that you've enjoyed this please follow us on all those social media channels send us a message let us know what you're thinking let us know what you're liking what your favorite films are have we missed anything so far we'll have to see what comes in five through one so if you're following us on social media amazing we love you we love connecting there if you're listening to us on spotify or apple please follow us there give us a rating and a, and a review those ratings those reviews actually do a lot in terms of boosting us up in in the search as it were so obviously if you're enjoying this christmas cheer we're spreading we want to spread it to more people all around the world so please go give us a rating give us five stars give us a review let us know what you love about the show that'll ensure that this this uh, christmas countdown community continues to grow as we inch closer to december 25th uh we're so we're so grateful for you all who have listened who are engaging with us on social media And as we say every week, every episode on the Christmas Countdown, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. We'll see you next time. Thanks, folks. See you guys.